guys. Well, uh, let's get our Bibles out because we're going to do some Bible study today, man. Um, you know, I really believe that today's lesson is going to prepare our minds and our hearts for the fall campus blitz. Amen. Um, you know, the next 10 weeks are going to be crucial. And it's going to be an opportunity for all of us to show our faith to each other and to God in the loss of course. Mm -hmm. So the title of our message this morning is Jesus Saw Their Faith. Amen. Jesus Saw Their Faith. And it comes from Mark chapter 2. So if you could be turning over there. Come on, bro. I believe that this is a good follow-up sermon to what we studied out last time in John 13, which was all about serving other people and thus being fruitful. And so today we're going to look at an example of some guys that are showing their faith and thus the Lord blesses them with some fruit. Amen. You know, for me, growing up in church, I learned very early the significance of faith. Uh, we had memorized the definition early on as kids. At a young age, we had to memorize the fact that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I mean, faith is invisible. Faith is in your heart, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it? And that's what we're going to talk about today because the Bible says that Jesus can see your faith. But even if you look at the definition of faith, you cannot see the definition of faith without it being personal. It says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the fact is, your faith is insignificant without you. And so we have to have a conviction in the scriptures that our faith can be evident to everyone around us. On, the second thing that we're going to learn about faith is that there's actually a lot implied when we take a good look at faith. Because it's going to affect everything that you do. For example, yesterday... I was wearing some slippery socks at the, at the top of our stairs, and I took a nice little plummet from the top of the stairs to the bottom of the stairs, and on my way down, I believed that there was something for me to grab a hold of and stop me from hitting the floor, and so I was reaching all over the place. <laughs> trying to grab the railing or another stair and eventually Brinton on my way down but by then it was too late and my butt was on the floor but when you believe something it affects everything and so here in Mark chapter 2 we're going to see an incredible example of faith in Mark chapter 2 and verse 1 it says a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bring to him a paralytic carried by the four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat uh, the paralyzed man was lying on. Then Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what it was that they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. 
but that you know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. You know, really in this passage, you see two incredible opportunities given to Jesus. Number one is to save a paralyzed man, but then number two is to do something amazing for the crowd. And Jesus, of course, makes the most of this opportunity because the Bible says that people had gathered at his own house. We can safely assume this is actually Jesus's house. Whenever he would go to Capernaum, this is mom's house. So Jesus is there at home in his mom's house. His brothers are probably around and all these people are just walking on into his house. And the Bible says he did what he should have done, which was he preached the word to them. I mean, there were so many people crowded into this house. All the rooms were filled. People were outside the windows. The Bible says even outside the house, there was no room for anybody. And Jesus was just preaching the word. Then you see a a group of guys come. Now, they're a little bit late to the party, amen? And they show up, and they're carrying, four four of the guys are carrying their friend, who's a paralyzed guy, on a mat. And they get there, and there's no room even outside the house. I mean, they can't even find a spot by a window. Mm. And so one of them comes up with this brilliant idea. Let's climb up on the roof. Now, this is Mary's house. They're climbing up onto the roof, and they're hoping that there's going to be an opening in the roof, and there's not. There's no Mm. chimney. There's no nothing. And so they decide, you know what? Let's just get creative here, and we're just going to make our own hole in the roof. (laughs) They literally start digging a hole in Jesus's house now jesus was a carpenter he wasn't too worried about it so they're digging a hole in this house and then all of a sudden you can just imagine this like silence everyone's looking at jesus what's this guy gonna say i mean these guys just broke his house and they just simply find jesus down in the crowd and they lower the man down on the mat Jesus doesn't freak out like maybe I would if someone did that to me. <laughs> he doesn't freak out. He, he allows the opportunity, and of course, he heals the man. Now, I, I love the fact that it says he saw the faith of the friends, yeah. but he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And I love about the fact that he heard the Pharisees and these other teacher, teachers of the law thinking things in their hearts, and knowing that, he goes, I just want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins dot, 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 he turns to the paralyzed man and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Get up, take your mat, go home. In full view of everybody, he gets up, he leaves, and every single person in that house, outside the house, looking in from the roof, everyone was amazed. You know, this this was an awesome day. This was an incredible day. This is early on in Jesus's ministry. In Luke chapter 5, it also tells the same exact story. And in verse, 15, verse 17 of Luke 5, it says something a little bit different. It says, the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Mm. You know, God's power is not always present in your life. You've got you've to activate that power. You've got to actually activate that power. God has to decide that, okay, you can handle my power today. God has to decide, okay, today I can put a sick man in your path, and you're going to heal him. Today, I'm going to put a paralyzed man in your path, and you're going to heal him. Today, I can put a lost person in your path, and you're going to share your faith with them. See, this was a good day, because this day, God's power 
was present. It was ready to be activated. You know, the faithful friends that brought the paralytic to Jesus in the first place, it's so awesome that Jesus sees their faith. He sees their faith. He sees it in action. They believed a couple things, that their friend was actually paralyzed, that Jesus could actually heal them, and that if they would get their friend to Jesus, that he would be healed. Their goal was not salvation, but that is what ended up happening. I want to talk about three things, three obstacles that can really get in the way of Jesus seeing our faith this morning. You know, the first thing is evident. It's the crowds. I mean, it was the first thing that they saw when they showed up to the house. Like, oh, guys, today's going to be great. We're going to go to Jesus's house. Today he's doing a sermon from his living room. I mean, this is going to be awesome. And they show up and there's so many people. The Bible says very, very specifically, there, there is no room. Mm-hmm. There is no room. How many people would have just turned, the, turned around that, yeah. that moment and said, you know what, maybe later today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, just right now, there's no room. There's right. no way of making this possible. You know, I think in a very real way, people can look at their schedules and go, man, there's just no room for Jesus today. There's just no room. They look at their finances. They go, there's just no room for Jesus today. They look at their emotional capacity. They go, you know what? I just can't handle this. There's no room for Jesus. But Jesus expected that they were going to make room for him. Now, the, the funny thing about this is, this was not about the guys. They clearly had faith. Jesus saw it. This wasn't about the guys. This was about them making room for their friends. So today I'm not talking about having a saving faith for yourself. I'm talking about having a faith to bring other people to Jesus. Come on, bro. I mean, it's, it's expected that you're going to have room in your schedule for Jesus. But are you willing to make room in your schedule, make room in your finances, make room in your heart, in your mind, in your emotional capacity to have Jesus there and be able to bring people to Jesus. You guys with me here? You know, in John chapter 13, 34, we read it last week. A new command I give you, love one another. By this, all men will know that you are really my disciples if you love one another. I mean, these, these guys, this, this group of guys, you could call them a Bible talk. They clearly loved each other. And this love that they had for each other was evident to their friend, the paralytic. Now, whether he had faith or not, we don't really know. Whether he wanted to go to Jesus that day or not, we don't really know. You don't really have a choice when your friends are carrying you and you're a paralytic. But they decided to bring him to Jesus and make room in their schedule to make sure that this guy got an opportunity to Jesus. And at the end of the passage, it actually says that everyone was amazed. They had never seen anything like this. And isn't that what Jesus promises? That when we have a love and a unity amongst the fellowship, all men are going to know that you are really disciples of Jesus. You know, in Mark chapter 2, here in verse 12, it says, He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God. Isn't that the ultimate goal? I mean, our goal is not to be praised by men. Our goal is to get men to praise the Lord. And right here, because of their faith, now there are more disciples of Jesus. You know, for us, we can look at the crowds. We can look at our busy schedule, our crowded schedule. We can look at our 
crowded bank accounts. We look at our crowded bedrooms. But we've got to have a heart to make room to bring people to Jesus. The second thing right here, and I'm just going to sum up a whole bunch of this stuff, but it's just the hassle. I mean, the hassle. You've got to make your way through the crowd. You've got to climb on top of the roof. You've got to get the ropes and the pulleys. You've got to make it happen. You've got to get a shovel up on the roof. You've got to dig a hole. You gotta make a mess, probably clean it up later on. I doubt Jesus was gonna allow this mess to just sit here and these guys not clean up their own mess. Hey, son, I mean, it's not in the passage, but I'm sure it was something like, hey, your sins are forgiven, and you guys clean up this little mess right here before my mom comes back. I mean, what a hassle! What a hassle! You know, God allows these obstacles, He allows it. I mean, God could have parted these men like the Red Sea. He could have made room to enter into the house and come right. But this story wouldn't be amazing if that happened. God allows the obstacles to make the story amazing. Mm -hmm. He allows the obstacles in your own life to make your story amazing. Mm -hmm. Because when you fight through the challenges, it makes it amazing. I mean, ask Jesse, ask Anthony. The Tough Mudder wouldn't be all that tough if all it was was, hey, run these 10 miles. Right. But what makes it tough, what makes it worth talking about, is the fact that there were so many obstacles throughout the 10 miles. 20, I believe. 20 very challenging, probably militaristic style obstacles. And you got to get through it. After 10, I mean, some of you guys struggle with the idea of 10 miles. I know I do. I mean, you know, a few obstacles, one mile. I'd sign up for that. A few obstacles, five miles, I'd find it in my heart to train a little bit and then show up. Ten miles, forget about it. Forget it, I'm not paying money to do something like that. But you know, there's so much hassle. John F. Kennedy said this quote, and maybe Chaoshi can correct me if I'm wrong, but John Kennedy says, the Chinese use two brush strokes to write the word crisis. One brushstroke stands for danger, the other for opportunity. In a crisis, be aware of the danger, but recognize the opportunity. You know, we can see these problems and these challenges, these obstacles as a hassle, as a burden, or we can see it as an opportunity for God to make our story amazing. You know what? Maybe you did have to get up a little bit earlier this week. Maybe you did have to sleep a little bit less and fight a little harder. But you know what? Now your story is a little more riveting. You know, in Romans chapter 5, we all know the passage. It says suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope will get you to heaven. We all want to go to heaven. But it starts with suffering. And it's going to give us a great story. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because it's these sufferings that build you up to become a powerful man of God, a powerful woman of God. Do you want to go to heaven and just barely make it? Or do you want to have a story to tell? I mean, you're going to walk into Abraham. You're going to walk into Moses. You're going to walk into James. These guys were beheaded. They were stabbed to death. And you're going to walk in and say, Man, tell me about your story. You're going to hear these oh my gosh, I didn't even hear that detail in Exodus. That, that is crazy, Moses. Oh man, God, why didn't you put that in the story? It's like, there wasn't any more room. I mean, I was having a hard time getting people to read it as it is. 
they're gonna go, so tell me, tell me about your story. I mean, I was, I was walking around campus, <laughs> and believe these disciples, they, they invited me to a Bible study, and I went. <laughs> and then I studied the Bible, and I believed it. I believed it, the Bible. I actually believed that you guys were real, <laughs> and I repented. I, I repented. Oh my God, I had so much to repent. I was selfish. I was a little bit lazy. I was kind of struggling with a couple things, but I repented. I, pff, we must go through many hardships enter the kingdom of God. Isn't that right, Paul? <laughs> many hardships. And then that Sunday morning, in a really warm bathtub, I got baptized. <laughs> And then I got raised to a new life. And it was so cool. I mean, God gave me more money, more friends, bigger house. You know what? <laughs> hey, can you tell me your story? <laughs> I mean, guys, we, we gotta, we're going to have a story to tell. Yeah. We got challenges. You know, I, I, I look back at early Christian days. I look back at early campus ministry days. And I tell these stories, right? Because it was... They're, they're fun to think about. And someone discipled me the other day, and they said, Joel, why are you always basking in the glory days? I said, these are not the glory days. These are the glory days. Mm-hmm. I just use these stories to encourage people, but I know God's going to do way better things in this campus ministry, way more things in, the, in, this, in this situation. I know the power of God's going to be working in a, in a great way. But, you know, we got to understand, yeah, there's danger. Yeah, there's hassle. But we got to recognize the opportunity. In, James, in, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. Yeah. We say we want to learn how to be better disciples, how to get closer to God. Oh, baby. God gives you times of suffering, and you're like, man, I was really having a better day yesterday. <laughs> We've got to understand that these challenges, these, these things that we're facing, these are all opportunities yeah, for on, you to bro. become more faithful, for you to expand your story, mm-hmm. to have something to tell Moses in heaven. You know, there, there is suffering associated with getting ourselves saved, of course, but of course, saving the lost. It's just more suffering on top of all of your normal suffering. And we've got to understand that, that right now, where we're at in the ministry, in the church, we are at the grassroots level. There's more opportunity now to suffer, to grow, to do incredible miracles than we, we will ever experience again. At the grassroots level, there's more challenges than when things are more established and structured later on. I mean, you could go to a church of 3,000, 5,000 people someday, and you're going to have a great time just kind of blending in with the background and joining a fun ministry, but that's not where we're at. Right now, we're like, hey, so you got an idea? Let's try it. (laughs) So that's your idea. Let's do it. Bro, that was a terrible idea, but hey, let's try something else. And that's where we're at. We're, we're at the, 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 the time where God is challenging us mm-hmm. and allowing us to suffer so that our stories yeah. can be told. Amen. And then the obvious third obstacle here, the, the obvious one, is just the fact that they had faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, their faith. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, it says Jesus saw their faith. Yeah. Jesus saw their faith. Not to save themselves, but to save a friend. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 9, Jesus teaches that we got to use our worldly wealth to gain friends for ourselves. Mm. That takes faith, does it not? Mm. 
And then in Matthew chapter 6, let's actually read this one. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, Jesus challenges us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven you know the things that can often steal our faith are obvious in matthew chapter 13 in verse 22 the one who received the seed that fell on the thorns is the man who hears the word but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful I mean, these guys, they had a lot of opportunity to give up their faith. But instead, they used it as an opportunity to become a story that would be written in two of the four Gospels. And we don't even know their names. No, the faithful, they don't care what their name is as long as they're faithful. If you can be deemed as faithful, that's good enough. I mean, when you get to heaven's gates... It's not going to mean nearly as much for God to say, hey, what's up, brother? What's up, sister? Versus, what's up, faithful? You made it. You made it. Come on, bro. The whole point of Mark chapter 2 is that their names don't matter. Mm-hmm. The story matters. Yeah. The story matters. No, if you're looking for a high five, you're looking for a pat on the back, a thank you, and a note of appreciation, you need to be getting it from God. If you get it from men, it's bonus. Right. But we can't just expect and feel entitled to the fact that our names are going to be mentioned. Mm. Yeah. That's what it means to be faithful. Come on. What chokes the word and makes it unfruitful? The deceitfulness of wealth mm-hmm. and the worries of this world. I mean, you can sum up all your problems in either the deceitfulness of wealth or the worries of this world. Mm. And these things are going to choke out the word. Right. They choke out the word. They make it unfruitful. What's the point of being a disciple if you're not going to be fruitful? What's the point of being a vine if you're not going to bear any fruit? What's the point of growing out of the ground if nothing's going to come come out of you? There's no point. And so for us, we've, we've got to make sure that we've got a conviction to go after the thorns that are going to choke the word out of our life. You know, faith is so much more than just a cognitive thing, but it's more, more rather a stance. When you believe something, it changes everything. Faith is seen. You know, guys, our next two weeks are pivotal. Yeah, It's pivotal. Some of you guys have been through Campus Blitz the first two weeks. It's a lot of fun. It's exciting. You're going to build up your own story, and you're going to meet a lot of people, and they're going to start their story. But the Campus Blitz does not last two weeks. It lasts ten weeks. Ten weeks. We're going to call this, we're going to call the next ten weeks the the, the ten weeks of disciple making. I mean, it's it's a process. It's a process. And these are opportunities given to us by the Lord. And I really pray that during this Campus Blitz, during the entire term, you will find opportunity to show 
your faith. You know, Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. In order to be made into a fisher of men, number one, we got to make room for Jesus. We got to make room for Jesus and our friends to meet. Your faith doesn't save anybody, but your faith can bring them to Jesus where they can get a saving faith. We got to make room. Secondly, we got to make the most of every opportunity. These are not obstacles and challenges or problems. These are opportunities to grow in our growing our faith and then lastly this is going to help you make some friends you're going to make some friends don't you think that the group of guys and this guy got a little bit closer after this day i mean do you think that this was the last time that this story was ever mentioned i mean do you think that the guys later on at the restaurant said dude you owe us one (laughs) do you think that later on the paralytic said guys i'm so grateful that you made room for me to meet Jesus. I'm so moved. Do you think that this story was just told on this day or was it told for all time? Do you think that this paralytic got up and went home and lived the same boring life that he had before or that he became a disciple of Jesus? You know, this is going to help us make friends and ultimately it's going to help us make disciples. And I really pray that this short little Bible study today has encouraged you and inspired you to make your story special. Allow God to move in your heart. Allow God to move in your life. Grow in your faith and then show your faith to those around you. Love you guys.